0: morning, fam. Um, not going to lie, kind of excited that there's a Pinewood Derby track in the new place today. I might run home real quick to see if I can find my car. Um, just to show these young whippersnappers that uh, I still got it. Trying to okay-boomer me after I beat them on the Pinewood Derby track. But anyway... Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you for today. I thank you that we are a people called by your spirit and empowered by your spirit to receive the blessing of creation, Father, not for our just, our own keeping, but for the good of your world, of the nations. God, that we are a people sent out, that we can be formed in the true story of the gospel of Jesus Christ within a community for the sake of the nations. Father, may we hear that today. May you speak to our hearts. May you give us ears to hear what you have for us this morning. And in your name we pray, amen. So I get off my flight, and uh, a shuttle picks me up at the airport. I walk down. I have to find the person that's holding my name tag. I've, I've always wanted to do that. You know, you get off a flight, someone's holding your name tag. You like, you feel super important, right? Like, hey, someone's expecting me. Like, yeah, that's, that's me. Get off the flight. I find the person. They take me to the shuttle and the shuttle takes me to this training center. As soon as I enter the training center, I, they take, my, they take the bag, my bag from me. Packed for a week and a half. They take my bag from me and, and the customs, customs start going through my bag. The custom agents take everything out of my bag except for my toothbrush and a pair of chonies. They said, there you go. I was like, what about the rest of my stuff they're like you can have it back later i was like oh okay so i go and find my room see my roommates in there they have some of them have all of their stuff some of them some of their stuff some of them have all of their stuff and i'm just standing with a toothbrush and chonies here i am nice to meet you So we, we exchange formalities, where are you from, what's your name, where are you going. Then we have a meal together, big open space like this, we have a meal together. Different teams, different tables, and we bow our head to pray. And all of a sudden, customs agents barge in, and they, they take somebody from a chair, and they take them to this jail. It's actually a bathroom, but it's the jail. And we're just we're just like, what the heck is going on? What what is this place? So this was the the training. This was one of the first trainings that I had gone to to go overseas to a different country, to a different culture. And this training, this week long training was was getting us out of our comfort zones and what we've become so used to in comfort. And comfortable with here in the United States in order to prepare us to go to a completely different culture with different customs, with different foods, with different ideals, with different gods. And said, hey, life is going to be different for you over here. In some of these countries, if you sit down at a meal and you bow your head to pray, if there is a police officer there, you will be taken to real jail, not a bathroom. If you don't eat all of your meal, that's a sign of disrespect. And the preparer of that meal will get angry or have their feelings hurt. So you better eat everything. And let me tell you, some of this training food was not good. One morning we woke up to a Muslim call to worship blasting throughout the rooms at 6 a.m., one, one day, we didn't have any running hot water. i took take a shower, and it was freezing. That was the fastest shower I've ever taken. But it was so good. I felt prepared when I went overseas. I'm like, man, I, I had this mindset, of things are going to be different. I'm going into a new culture where I don't know anything. Today we're going to talk about mission. That was my first introduction to a mission, a mission trip, going to a different people in a different land in a different culture, and trying to live out the good news of the gospel story, Jesus Christ, within that culture. So today we're going to talk about mission, but I want to hear from you. What, when I say mission, we, we kind of talk a lot about that here at Missio. Missio means mission of God. So we talk a lot, we throw it around, mission, being missional, being on mission, we talk about it a lot, but I don't know if we've always really defined what that is. We might all have a different definition, we might all be coming at that from a completely different place. So I want us to talk about that, and I want us to give us, I want to give us a definition so we can all be on the same page. What is the mission of God and how has he called the church, the church, our church, to be a part of that story? So, when I say mission, what do you guys think about? What kind of comes to mind? Yeah, going to a different country? Yeah, going like on a mission trip? Yeah. Yes. Like Mission Impossible, agents fighting bad guys. Yeah, they're on a mission. That's exactly what I think of too. Anything else? Mission? Yeah, Cindy. People working together for the, in, in this instance, people working together to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. Anything else? You decide mission? Yeah, you got another one. Yeah go. Yeah, there's something, there's a guy to defeat, right? There's a bad guy you got to defeat, and the mission is to to do that, right? Yeah? Yeah. A mission, right? A mission is a group of people or someone who's working toward an end goal, whether it be defeating a bad guy, whether it be sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, whether it be laying my floors, right? Right? whether it be building a stage, whether it, there's, it's, it's a common goal, right? A people, a group of people are working toward an end goal, a common goal. And so when we talk about in the context of this true story of the gospel story, of the whole story of the gospel, of scripture, what would you say is the end goal or the mission of God? We're going to talk about that. I would say this. The whole goal, the end goal of the mission of God, the purpose that God is working in and through people all throughout Scripture is to restore, reconcile, renew all of His creation, both human and non human, back to how it was at the beginning. When He said, It is very good. That's God's mission. Reconciliation, restoration, and renewal. And we see that in Scripture. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. It says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Who is him? Jesus Christ. Yes, good. Sunday school answer. Threw it up for you. You guys got it. Good. All his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Reconciliation. Reconcile all things. Acts 3.21 says this. Heaven must receive him. Who's him again? Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything. As he promised long ago through his holy prophets. And finally, Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says to his disciples, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, and then he goes on to describe who will be with him at the end, when that renewal takes place. All the disciples will sit on 12 different thrones and, and all of that too. But here, at the renewal of all things. God's mission to reconcile, Restore, renew all things back to what it was like at the beginning. So we started at the end of the story. That's the end goal. In our six symbols, I think it was up there, sixth symbol, that's the sixth symbol. Restoration. That's what God is moving towards. That those that's what God is continuing to move in and throughout of people all throughout history in this story. Towards restoration. So restoration of what? Now we're going to go to the beginning of the story. Creation. Which is the same symbol. So it might not look like it's changed, but it changed. Now we're in creation. So what was it like in creation? God creates this all of this beauty out of nothing. He speaks words and all of a sudden things are formed. Things are shaped. We have light. We have darkness. We have land. We have sea. We have birds of the air. We have every living plant. We have animals. Things are good. Things are beautiful. Things are filled with potential. And he says, you know what? I'm going to make some people To partner with me to bring out the fullness of this potential in in my creation. To bring out its fullness. And so he says, he, he forms man and he forms woman and he plants them in this garden. And he says, ah, this is yours. Look around you. It is beautiful. I have created all of this for you for you to discover, right? Sometimes I feel like we read those words and we're like, oh, that must have been awesome. And what, what I kind of picture, this is how I picture God in that scenario when he makes man and he makes woman. And that moment he says, hey, this is all yours, right? He says, hey, fill the earth and subdue it. Make babies, I'm not going to go into that, there's kids still here. Make babies, create culture, create society, build families, and subdue it. Rule over it. You have dominion over this. I have given you authority over this. My power, my authority has given you authority to care for it, to cultivate it, to protect it, to bring out its potential. This is how I feel like this is like sometimes I read those words and I'm like, fill the earth and subdue it. Awesome. Okay. This is how I feel like God said it. (laughs) Guys, are you ready to explore? Let's go. Guys, this is all yours. Let's go. (laughs) We're going to do this together. I've created all this for you. There's so much potential here. I cannot wait to partner with you, to come alongside you, and to help you figure out everything that, that, everything that I've created and all of its potential. In the end, it's going to be a city. Right now, it's a garden. In the end of the story, it's a city. So I'm going to partner with you. Man, we're going to take this garden and we're going to build a city. Let's go. That's how I hear it. And I feel like Adam and Eve are like, yeah, we don't know what a city is, but it sounds awesome. And so they trust this God who is created. And they say, yes, let's go, let's do it. But then we know what happens, right? Then this sneaky little snake comes and deceives them. And then he says, hey, guys, you don't need to listen to God. You can be like him, in fact. He just doesn't want you to do this because he knows that you'll be like him. And he doesn't want you to do that. So we know Israel re- or Israel. We know Adam and Eve rebel against God's authority. They say, God, everything that you just promised, everything that you have created for us, we're going to decide what to do with it. So now there's a fracture, there's a broken. With that one act, the floodgates of sin has entered into this creation. And now everything that has been good Everything that is waited, waiting to be discovered, to be explored, now is cursed and tainted by sin. Things are broken. The relationship between God and humans is broken. Where God once walked in the garden with them and they enjoyed his company is now broken with sin. The relationship to one another where they selflessly loved one another and they said, hey, I am for your good. Whatever you need, I'm going to do that. I am for you. I love you. And I will selflessly give of myself to meet your needs. Now that is broken. And the human relationship to all of creation, to the non-human creation, is broken. Where they once were to cultivate it and to protect it and to care for it in ways is now characterized by consumption and willful destruction. Things are broken. And so now, God's mission is to restore renew and reconcile his creation, all of it, to how it was in the beginning. To where we are as excited to be like, yes, we want to partner with you. We want to walk with you in the garden once again. The garden might be a little different in the city, but we want you to walk among us again, Father. So now his mission is to reconcile, restore, and renew. And he chooses to do this. He chooses to do this through people. This mission of God, he uses his own creation in humankind for that mission. The first people he chooses to do that through is who? Abraham. He calls one man. He makes a promise to one man. In Genesis 12, he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Whoever blesses you, I will bless. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all of the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. He chooses one man That he's going to make into a nation, which is who? Israel. And he's going to set them apart. He chooses Israel and he says, hey, you are my people. You are my people. You are to be a distinctive people in the midst, in the center of all of these pagan nations. You are going to be distinctive. You are going to be my people. I am going to be your God. Chris Wright, in one of his books, says this might be helpful for us to remember for the rest of this story. He, he has this quote um, in his book, uh, The Mission of God. And he says this with Israel. That God's mission, God's mission, member is to restore, renew, reconcile all things. It involves... God's people living God's way in the sight of the nations. God's mission to restore and reconcile and renew all things is going to involve God's people living God's way in the sight of the nations. And so he calls Israel, Israel, you're going to be a distinctive people. And he gives them the Torah. He gives them the law. And if you read the law, it, just in, in the context of our culture, we've talked about this, in the context of our culture, it does not make sense. There's a lot of laws where you're like, ooh, that's harsh. Or what the heck are they talking about? It doesn't make sense. But in that culture, when, G, when God gives Israel the law, the Torah, if you read it in the context of all of the other laws in the pagan nations around them, it is specifically speaking to pagan laws in the nations around them. So it is saying, hey, everyone else around you, this is their law. This is their culture. This is the God they worship. You, you're going to be different. You're going to be set apart. I'm choosing you. You are going to be a distinctive people to display what I'm like. And you, Israel, you're going to point back to what it was like in creation, and you're going to point forward to a Savior who's going to come to rescue this world. And you're going to do those two things in full sight of all of the nations. So they were pointing back to creation, forward to a Savior, in the midst of the rest of the nations around them. But they couldn't do it. They could not do it because the effect and the power of sin had permeated their culture. Where they were supposed to live under the authority of God, they chose pagan idols to worship. Where they were to be a distinctive people, they were living in ways that didn't make them any different from the pagan nations around them. And so God says, man, I'm going to have to take you from this land. And he exiles them. But he didn't end there. He had promised to send a Messiah. And so, next, out of Israel, he brings this Messiah. Out of this people that he called to be a distinctive display of what he's like and what he is doing, he says, Out of this people, I'm bringing the Son of Man, the seed of David the rescuer, the redeemer, the Messiah, Jehovah. And Jesus comes into the picture. Jesus enters the story. And Jesus fulfills that promise that he gave to Israel perfectly. Jesus heals the sick. And in that one act, he's pointing back to creation and saying, in creation, there was no sickness when he heals the sick, he does two things. Points back to what it was like in creation. And he's saying, I have the power. I'm ushering in God's kingdom into this culture, into this nation, into this world. So he does two things. He points back. He points forward. All in the sight of the middle na- in the midst of the nations. He heals the sick. He makes the lame walk. He raises people from the death, from the death, from death. He heals relationship. All throughout the Gospels, you hear Jesus say, Hey, you have heard that it's supposed to be like this, but I tell you, this is what the kingdom of God is like. All throughout Jesus' life, he is pointing back to what it was like in creation at the beginning. He's pointing to what it's going to be when, when he comes back again and fully restores all of creation, and he does this all in the sight of the nations. So he gathers Israel back. He gathers Israel back to Jerusalem, and he says, hey, you were, not, you were not able to fully live out this promise, but I have. I'm gathering you back to, to Jerusalem to redeem you. And through the power and the blood that Jesus died, that he shed on the cross, he redeems them. He renews them. He restores them. And then when he rises again on the third day, ushering in God's kingdom, paving a way for now the spirit of God to be present in his people. He says this in Acts. He says, now when the power of the spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem first, that's where I'd gather you, Israel. You are at the center of this promise first in Jerusalem then in Judea and Samaria and then where to the ends of the earth it's going to start here in Jerusalem but I'm sending you out I'm sending you out now Israel is not just a is not just a people that's pointing to the future messiah that's pointing back to how creation was and pointing to a future Messiah, now Israel is a people that has been redeemed and now they are a witness to what Jesus just did on the cross and in the grave. So instead of being a display people, that points toward, now they're a witness people. That points back to what Jesus did. Church, that is who we are this is the part of the story that we get to live in. That we are called to be God's people living in God's ways. No longer inside of the nations, but among the nations. Because see, what Jesus did when he's sending them out, he's saying, hey, you used to be Israel. You used to be a distinctive people. When I gave you the law, it was you were going to be a distinctive, set-apart, different people in the sight of the nations. Now, you're going to be a different, distinctive, set-apart people in the midst of the nations. You're not going to be a separate nation. Now I'm calling you to be a people that lives within separate nations that have different cultures that have different idols they worship that have different foods you're no longer just a distinctive set apart nation now you are in a people that lives among the nations that change has huge ramifications We are not just here to just gather on a Sunday morning to be a people set apart, distinctive, just living our own ways and hopefully someone will see it. Now we're called to live in the midst of community, in the midst of a people to where they see us living this out, speaking the good news, and they say, hey, I want to join that community. Church, Missio, this is why we do not program. Now, hear me. There's nothing wrong with programs. Nothing. Churches do it well. God can still be met. Can, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ can still be communicated in programs. But for us, our DNA, this is who we are. This is why we move people towards missional communities. Guys, we are called, this is our identity. This is who we are. In fact, there's a quote, I think there's one up there. Yeah, we talk about missional. And here it says, at its best, missional describes not a specific activity of the church but the very essence and identity of the church. This isn't something we just do. This is who we are. This is who we're called to be. And so instead of having a bunch of programs, could we do better at maybe having some events for you guys to to invite people into in order to meet community? Yeah, and we're working on that. But we don't want to busy you with programs three, four nights out of the week so you're not living as a display people, living God's ways in the community that he already has you in. The workplace, the family, your neighborhood, maybe sports your kids play. How can you be a display people in the contexts in the communities that God has already has you in here at the same time i say that with a little bit of hesitation because i i know that's hard just having missional communities has been I'll I'll be honest has been a lot of times I've questioned why why do we just have missional communities why don't we have programs can we have programs so I've struggled with this too and then when I started to see this I'm like ah that's why there's another quote um well, we'll get to that in a minute. How many? How many of you guys have been? Have, how many of you guys have been on a missions trip? Quite a few of you, like a cross-cultural or, or, or even local. Like you guys have been on on a missions trip somewhere, where you guys been, either been on a team. You guys have prepared to go to a place, preach the good news of the gospel. Quite a few of you. What's some of the? What's the, like in training or as you're preparing to go? What are some of the things you guys? How do you prepare for that? What are some of the things you guys do or ha- have done when you went? It's fundraising. It's fundraising, right? You need some resources to go. And a lot of prayer that. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you're doing fundraising, it has to start in prayer. Yeah. What else? have to learn about the culture and the context that you're going to going into. Yeah. You don't want to go in blind. You don't want to have any idea what these people believe or how they live or what they got going on. Yeah. And guys, how we've prepared to be on mission and, into, and going into a different culture, into a different context, that can be the same way we can be missional here Look at the different communities that you're a part of. Look at the different contexts you're already a part of. What are the, what's the culture like at that, in that community? What's the culture like in your workplace? What's the culture like in your family? What's the culture like in your school? You can usually tell by the things that, where they spend their money, what they talk about the most where they spend their time those are usually the f- the biggest three things where you can tell the culture of any community or context where do i spend my time or where do they spend their time their money and what kind of language what are they what are they always talking about so to give you an example what like the, how we can be missional, how I can be missional in our context and Cultivate with the cohort kids. Now, the cohort kids with, um, uh, with Cultivate and, our, and my students at school are similar. Similar stories, similar cultural narrative. Like my students at school, how, how do I enter into their culture? Theirs is a different culture than mine. If you're a teacher, you know most of your students, it's a different culture than the one you have. You got to learn new language. I, guys, I don't know how many times I have Urban Dictionary up on my, on my computer just to figure out what the heck my students are talking about. It's like a foreign language. I'm like, since when does no cap mean I'm not lying? That makes absolutely no sense. Now I know what my mom and dad felt like when I was a teenager. When they're like, what are you talking about? So does bad mean good or does bad mean bad? Yeah, that's bad, man. So you don't like it? No, it's awesome. (coughs) Same thing. I've got to learn their language. Where do they spend their time and their money? I have conversations about this. What are you buying? What's the last thing you bought? Usually, it's a pair of shoes for the guys. Uh, for the girls, sometimes shoes, mostly clothes. Where do you spend your time? What are you doing outside of school? Why are you at the park all the time? What are you doing at the park? I know you ain't swinging. <laughs> this is learning their culture. And how to be missional is how do I enter into that? Their culture and narrative says, hey, you're not good enough. You're not lovable. You've been abandoned. Nobody loves you. So they turn to these things. So how do I enter into their culture and say, hey, and live in such a way and speak the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in such a way where I say, hey, you are loved. You are worth it. I know a God who will never leave you or forsake you or abandon you. There is someone who will never do that. How do we learn the culture of the communities and the context we're already in. And then pray for the Spirit to empower you and give you wisdom and discernment on how to speak the good news of Jesus Christ into that culture and how to live it out. We're called to be a display, people, a preview. If you go to a movie, the previews tell tell the story of what's coming, right? You get a sense of, What the movie's going to be like. Sometimes some previews are horrible, but the purpose of a preview is to draw you in. It's to catch you and say, Ooh, I want to see that movie. How do we live our lives? How do we speak in order to be a preview people of what's coming? That one day God is going to restore, renew, and reconcile all things back to how it was in the beginning. How do we live our lives in preview of that that draws people in? That says, ooh, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that community. I want to hang around them. So that quote Mission is not primarily about going, nor is mission primarily about doing anything. Mission is about being. Listen, if you're worn out, if you're exhausted, if you're overwhelmed in missional community, in missional contexts, uh, you're just like, man, I can't do this anymore. I need to take, take a step back. You might be focusing on the doing and the going instead of the being. Now, it's not primarily about going, but it is going to involve going. It's going to involve going to the people who have not heard the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not prayer primarily about doing, but you are going to have to do something. It is going to mean stepping out of your comfort zone. For an introvert like me, it is going to be about small talk meeting new people hearing their story it's not primarily about doing that though it is primarily about being being the people of God living his way among the nations resting in what God has already done through his son Jesus Christ Resting in the spirit we now have living within us. So church, as I pray, as we make this move next week, as we go to a new place, may we remember to be a preview. A preview of what is to come. In that community, in the communities you're already in, In your family. May we be God's people living his way among the nations. Let's pray.